So as as kids, following the leader is kind of a fun game to play. See, they're doing that right now. They're following the leader. You get you follow the guy who's in front of you. They do all the hard work, and you just follow in their paths. And as a as a kid, it's fun to do. Um, it's a it's an awana game. It's something that kids everywhere know how to do. I, I watch it almost every day when I go to school to get no one Caleb. The PE teacher walks down the hall, and whatever she's doing, this is exactly what the kindergartners and first graders are doing. And uh, but it's it's a fun game. Um, you do have to be careful though about who you're following if you're going to play that game. When I was about 15 or 16, I had this little sister, and she was following me, and I didn't realize it. And we're walking through the mall, and there's these great big pillars like holding up the mall. Well, I, I got there, and I just walked up to it, and I sidestepped it, and I just kept walking. I kept walking. Well, she was staring at my feet, and she ran right into that pillar. Okay, so if you're going to play follow the leader, kids, make sure you're paying attention to what the leader's actually doing. But as we age, that game's not fun anymore. I mean, maybe it's fun to be the leader, but it's not really fun to be the person who's following the leader. Uh, we, as, and as we get older and older, it gets tougher. We've been taught to think for ourselves, to, to make decisions on our own, to come to our own conclusions, to try to be that person in a leadership position. I mean, nobody here really wants to be a robot. We want to make decisions for ourselves. And as a parent, we try to, Leslie and I, we try to teach our kids to make their own decisions. We, are, we don't want to be with them every moment of every day telling them what to do. We've, we've trained you up enough. You go to school, take care of it on your own. Someday you're going to be out on your own, and you have to make decisions for yourself and, and for your kids. And as we get older, it gets harder and harder for some of us to follow the leader, to follow the boss, to follow the person in authority to us. Sometimes because they tell us to do something, we say, I know a better way to do this. Sometimes we just don't like the person who's leading us. Uh, we had a fun discussion in, discussion in Sunday school today about the leaders uh, of life, and that was kind of fun about who's a good leader and who's not a good leader, mainly by topics, not by, by people's names. But sometimes it's hard to follow the people we don't like and sometimes we just don't respect them. You know, some of the leaders say, do this, but they don't do it themselves. And so it gets hard to follow the leader. So whoever is in your life who is a leader in your life, whether it's the government, whether it's a teacher, whether it's your parents, today we're looking at the importance of following that leader, whether we like them or not. Whether we, we feel like we want to submit to what they're saying, we need to do what they say, but there is one exception. And if you don't know that exception, today I'm going to inform you what that exception is. Uh, it's always good to have your Bible if you're going to be in church. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, we're going to be looking at Solomon talking to the people about the importance of following the leader. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 2 through 5. And obviously the leader Solomon is going to be talking about is mainly going to be him. He is the king. He's the person who... Makes, makes the rules, and he has people under him, but everything kind of revolves around what does the king want. But there's other leaders in life besides just the king. There's the people who enforce the laws. People of that day had parents. People of that day had employees. So this applied to every area of life where they had a leader that they needed to follow, not just King Solomon. But it is good for them to follow King Solomon. It's good for them to follow the leaders that they had of that day. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 2 through 5a. It says, Obey the king's command. I say, because you took an oath before God. Do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, well, What are you doing? Whoever obeys his commands will not come to harm, 
and the wise in heart will know the proper time and procedure. So first of all, we're just going to see that the wise will follow the leader. So, and uh, it's, uh, the wise will follow those in authority over them. Solomon, he, he starts out saying that you guys took an oath that you're going to do this. Uh, back in 1 Chronicles 29, 24, when Solomon became king, a lot of people took a literal oath that they were going to follow what King Solomon said. And so that's where he's kind of looking back to saying, look, guys, I'm going to kind of hold you to what you said. Now, when we look at the authority placed over us, I didn't take an oath that I was going to follow my parents as a kid. It was just something I had to do. I didn't take an oath I was going to follow my teacher as, as a student because you don't really have a choice. And so we're not going to look and say, you know what, I took an oath that I was going to follow these leaders. But in the New Testament, we, we find some other reasons to uh, submit to the authority over us. Um, in uh, Romans 13.5, it talks about following leaders because of conscience, because it's the right thing to do. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 13, it says, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority instituted among men. Because you are a follower of Jesus, He's saying you need to submit yourself to every authority that's placed over you. Good authority, bad authority, you don't like, you, you love, we need to submit, we need to follow the authority that's placed over us. Now, when you have good authority in your life, it's pretty easy to follow that authority. Uh, but not every authority is going to do exactly what you want them to do. Not everybody's going to make the decision that you want them to make. I did ask a question this week about what does make a good a leader, a good authority in ever my life, someone that I'd want to follow. Uh, one person told me that a, a good leader listens to others. He hears both sides of the story before making this conclusion. A good leader shows patience. A good leader shows compassion. A good leader depends on God to guide him in his leadership. Others say mature, honest, easygoing. And so when I think about a good leader and who the kind of good leaders are that we look and that we see, uh, I know a lot of us in here, and I, I originally planned to go this way at the end of the message, but I thought it's going to get too long if I do that. So I'm just going to interject a little bit here. A lot of you find yourself in a leadership position. You know, you're a parent, you're a boss, you're a teacher, you're in church leadership. Somewhere in your life, you're a coach, you're a leadership somewhere. And so I just want to encourage you to be the kind of leader that people want to follow. You know those qualities that you say, that's what I want in a leader that I'm going to follow. Try to be, that's the kind of leader that you're going to be. So there are good leaders, and hopefully you can be a good leader as well. And I, I strive to do the same kind of thing. But we all enjoy following a good leader over a bad leader. And verse um, 5a, it says, Whoever obeys his command will come to no harm. Solomon is the king. Whatever he says goes. If, if my teacher tells me to do something and I do it, I have no fear of getting into trouble. If my parent tells me to do something, there's no fear of getting punished because I did the right thing. The same thing, like if you've ever uh, driven down the road, and I was reminiscing with somebody the other day about getting pulled over, I, um, and I remember that uh, when Leslie and I moved, and her family moved Grandpa to Davenport, I remember we drove about 12 hours from Oregon to get to home, and as I drove, I had no fear because my trailer lights worked, because I was barely driving the speed limit because we were driving so slow, this whole train of people. And then all of a sudden, like an hour from home, we stopped at a rest stop. I wish we didn't. And I realized my trailer lights didn't work. And I don't know how long they quit working, how long ago they quit working, but guess all of a sudden, I started fearing, feeling fear because I don't know how to fix these trailer lights. It's dark. Oh, no, guess what I'm going to see? And as we're driving down the road, guess what I saw? I saw a state patrol. 
and I knew I was busted, and woo, 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 pulled me over, and I, I didn't get a ticket, thankfully. Um, I was able to be shocked enough at the fact that I didn't have a license plate on my trailer, that he thought I didn't even know my trailer lights didn't work. It just, anyway, so I got out of it, and we were able to get home. But while I was doing the right thing, I had no fear. I was completely happy. You see cops driving down the road, who cares? All of a sudden, I knew I was in the wrong. I was afraid. And, and, and a mile before the exit, I was, I was busted. So if you're doing the right thing, you have nothing to fear in every area of life. So when we have good leaders, we want to follow them. But not everybody is a good leader. Not everybody has those qualities that we say, I want to follow that person. Now, there's lots of reasons why someone could be a bad leader. You know, maybe somebody doesn't communicate well. Uh, maybe somebody doesn't keep their word. Or maybe somebody's just harsh or impatient when they tell you, this is what I want you to do, but they won't do it themselves. Or they're just rude about doing that. I'm sure people come to mind as, as negative leaders in your life. Um, hopefully you don't think about that for very long. But there's some qualities of a bad leader that Solomon mentions throughout this, this passage. Verse 9, it says, All this I saw as I applied my mind to everything done under the sun. There is a time when a man lords it over others to his own hurt. So instead of being the kind of leader who loves people, he's the kind of leader who's, who's putting his thumb under people. All he's doing is thinking about himself. How does this affect me? And obviously that doesn't help the people that he's serving. You can find that as examples in other countries where a, a country is starving and all this food and all this money comes into the leader and he's supposed to distribute it. But he doesn't. He just lives fat off the hog. He has everything he needs while everybody else is suffering. A bad leader is only thinking about himself. And it's to the detriment of everybody. It's poor. It's bad for him. It's poor for those he's leading. And it's just, it's just a bad way to lead. And that's one example of somebody who Solomon would say is a bad leader. But uh, number two, a bad leader fails to do his job. Whatever job that is, the bad leader doesn't do that. It says, verse 11, it says, When the sentence for a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. You know, you just have to look at our court system to see that. That, you know, there's lots of people who are in prison waiting a, a, a punishment. Or you have people who are running the streets uh, without being punished. And so, well, he got away with it. Well, that, wasn't, that was worth the time in jail. Or that, was, that the consequence wasn't so bad. And so I'm going to do that as well. And if the, the punishment isn't quickly carried out, then all the, the people are like, well, I can get away with it too. It's worth it. You know, it's worth taking a risk because what I'm going to get is, is worth it. You know, it makes me think about uh, the Romans. They started doing the, cruc the crucifixion and they started making it public. And they, they did it, I think, right now because they wanted people to stop. And so when you have people who are acting like crime's no big deal, they're not taking care of the business when they should, people say, I want to do that too. And who has the authority to put a stop to the, the crime. It's the person who's in charge. Me as just an ordinary citizen, I can't arrest anybody. I can't put anybody in jail. I have no authority to give anybody any kind of sentence. So a bad leader is somebody who does not do their job. Some people you have in your life that you have are leaders over you, you have some control over. You know, kids, you have coaches. Uh, you can say, you know, um, I'm choosing to play this, this sport. Um, if you're going to go to a church, you know, sometimes people go to church and say, I don't, I like that authority, so I'm going to go there. Others, they say, I don't like it, but they have a choice. If you take a job, you can decide I'm going to keep working for this jerk or I'm not going to keep working for this person under authority, but it's your choice. 
And a lot of times, and I've, I've been here, a lot of times people don't like the authority that's placed over them, so they quit. They just, they, they go to this job, they don't like authority, so they move on until they keep butting heads with boss after boss until they keep moving, moving on. Well, Solomon seems to kind of address this thought uh, back in verse 3. He says, do not be in a hurry to leave the king's presence. You know, when you, when you get before a king, if you're doing the right thing, you have nothing to fear. But if you're doing the wrong thing or you don't like that authority, you want to flee that situation. And a lot of people do that. They go to a, a job. They don't like the boss. They don't like the authority. So they constantly bounce from place to place until they think they're going to be satisfied with the authority somewhere else, which never comes. So if you find yourself in a tough position with the authority over you, I want you to think twice before you exit that authority. I don't like them, but maybe I can live with it. But I have to admit that maybe sometimes you can't live with it. Um, I had an experience uh, back in Spokane where I ended up leaving a job, and it was either leave job or go to prison. It was that close. Um, I, was, I was doing, you guys didn't know I had that kind of temper, did you? Um, but I'm going to tell you, I was, I was working at Lexington. It was a construction company, and it was, was a Christian one. And my boss, or the, my, the foreman over me, I don't even remember his name. But at first, when I first became uh, a, a framer, it was all good. He was excited to have me there. And then he just kept writing me and writing me and writing me. And I was, I was like flustered. I was screwing up. And it went on for months and for months and for months until finally I about snapped. We were two stories up. There was no railing on a, port, a, be, uh, a deck, and he took out all his frustration of things that everybody struggled with. He took it out of me, and I just about went like this and pushed him off the back of the deck. And he would have fell two stories onto hard dirt with rocks, probably died. I don't know. But it was at that point, I was like, I can't do this anymore. I mean, I just literally killed, I just about killed somebody, and I finally said, you know what, I, I'm done. I went back to being a laborer, working in the snow, working in the ice. Not, it was miserable to finally moved on from another job. So you might find yourself where you're about ready to snap. You have the a power to change the authority that's placed over you. It might be a good idea to do that. I know it was for me. You might have to quit that job. You might have to quit the team. You might have to quit a position on a church board. I actually gave that advice to somebody uh, in the past because he, he was a trustee, and he says the church is not following the Constitution. And all it does is frustrated him. That's why I gave him that advice. If you're under that authority, they're not fulfilling what they're supposed to do, and you, do, you don't like it. I mean, he's already tried talking to him. Then I said, you know what? I would get out from underneath that authority, and I'd just be a regular person going to church there. Um, but there's a point where you have freedom in order to choose if you're going to be under somebody's authority or not. But you don't always get that choice. You know, I don't... You know, I can throw my two, my little vote in for the president. Um, I, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, kids in class, you don't get to pick who your teachers are. Kids, you don't get to pick who your parents are. And sometimes uh, my kids can fill under the same position where sometimes I have authority over me that I do not want. I wish it could be different. Uh, we still have to submit to that authority as well. Um, 1 Peter chapter 2.18 says, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. Think about the slaves about the worst thing that you could be. I'm already working at this job for free and I don't like it. And then it's going to get worse because I have this boss that's riding me, that's punishing me, that's whipping me, that's pushing me. And, and Paul's telling, or Peter's telling him, submit to that authority anyway. 
oh, that's got to be like the toughest thing for these people to hear. But that was the right thing to do. And if, if slaves are supposed to submit to the, the authority over them that they don't like, how much more should we submit to the authority over us that doesn't even have any physical pain in our lives? And as we follow the authority over us, we have a couple ways uh, to go out doing it. Uh, verse 3, it says, Do not stand up for a bad cause, for he will do whatever he pleases. King Solomon is telling his people, don't stand up for a bad cause. And so the way I'm going to twist this around a little bit is to say, be righteous as I follow. Standing up for a, uh, a bad cause is obviously not a righteous thing to do. Now, I don't know what kind of bad causes. There's no examples here of bad causes that they could have stood up for. But it could be standing up as a bad cause against the king. It could have been standing up against something that went against God's word. But the overall idea is to be righteous. As you follow the leader, as you follow the authority over you, make sure that you are righteous as you do it. And that might mean, uh, you know, it means doing your best work. Whether your, your boss is watching you, whether your teacher is watching you, whether your parents know what you're doing, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is for the Lord and not for men. And that's being righteous. It's being honest about my mistakes when I do something wrong at work or to those in authority over me. Um, it, it means biting my tongue, not bad-mouthing the leadership that's over me. Rather, we talked about in Sunday school, what should I do besides talk bad about my leaders? Pray for them, right? I should pray for them, uh, for those who are in authority over me. If it's my parents, if it's the president, if it's my teacher, what, whoever it is that's in authority over me, I don't like how they're leading. It does not hurt to pray for them it, and, and that God would be, God's their leader, then hopefully that they would take some, something of uh, how he leads and they would lead the same way. But it's important to pray for them. So the first thing we want to do is to be righteous as we follow. The second is to be respectful as I follow. Since a king's word is supreme, who can say to him, what are you doing? You know, in our culture, we can get away with a little bit of asking those in authority over us about what they're doing and why they're doing it. Um, you know, back in that days, kings had authority. There was nobody who could question their authority. Um, they, could, they could put someone to death without even worrying about the consequences. When Queen Esther was supposed to go talk to the king on the behalf of her people, she was afraid to go before him because the king had the authority to put her to death just because she approached him without asking. That's a pretty scary thing, and Solomon has that kind of authority. Our culture, thankfully, isn't like that. But there is a right way and a wrong way to go about questioning somebody who is in leadership over us. You know, in the middle of a, of a meeting, this rude, obnoxious way about how dare you do this or why are you doing this might not be the way to go. But behind closed doors, it's a lot better to go say, hey, Josh, this is what you've decided. Hey, boss. Hey, hey teacher, did you, why are we doing this this way? But the idea is that we're being respectful as we follow. It doesn't mean you can't question authority, but there's a right way and a proper way to do this, which is what the rest of verse 5 says. And the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure in order to do that. So the way I treat authority that's over me, whether it's authority that I love or the authority that I just wish I didn't have to be under anymore, I need to treat them the same way. The boss that I like and that I don't like, I need to follow their orders to the same. If I'm going to do my best for boss A, I should do my best for boss B. Uh, my kids, your parents are authority over you. If they tell you to do something 
I mean, have you ever, kids, have you ever had your parents tell you, you don't have to raise your hand because I don't want you getting in trouble. Uh, but have you ever had your parents tell you something to do something you didn't want to do? Or, or say you can't do something you wanted to do. Right? I've done that to my kids, and guess what? They don't like it. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it. And they, if, if I tell them that they have to do something they don't want to do, they don't like it. But the thing is, I need you kids, because I'm no longer a kid having to submit to my parents, you need to submit to your parents because that's the authority that God has placed over you. Kids who are playing basketball, or if you're going to go start playing track, if your coach says, run that extra lap, we don't balk and whine and complain. You just get out there and you run that extra lap. The authority of this place over us, the government, he says, these are the taxes you have to pay. Fine, I'll pay these taxes. But I'm going to do it because that's what the government says that I need to do. And the wise in heart, the wise are going to be people who are going to follow the authority that's placed over them. And that is a very difficult thing to do. I mean, I, I told you, I was, I was following my leader up on that through construction, through rain and snow, to the point I was about ready to kill him because I was trying to do the right thing. I, couldn't, I finally couldn't do it. I know it's tough to follow your teacher sometimes. I know it's tough to follow your parents. I know it's tough to follow the government over us, but we need to do that. And there's an important reason why we need to do that. Does anybody in Sunday school remember why we need to do that? Romans 13, 1 and 2 says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has established, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Why do I have to submit to the authority that's placed over me? Because God put it there. It might be authority that I like, authority that I don't, but I'm going to, I'm going to just trust that God has it all in control. Um, God's placed them there. He's got a reason. I may not ever understand why, but God has, has put them in, in charge of me. Uh, the one exception, and I know many of you probably know this, uh, but the one exception that, is, that says, you know what, I don't have to follow my teacher's authority or my parents' authority or the government's authority, is when it comes into conflict with what, with what God says. If God says, don't do this, but your boss is saying, do this, then you've got to choose what God says over what man says. In Acts chapter 5, verse 29, it says, We must obey God rather than man. The apostles were put in prison. They were told, don't preach about this Jesus anymore. And they finally said, you know what? You do whatever you want. But when it comes down to it, we have to choose to serve God over what man is telling us to do. And that works in your school. It works in your job. It works in your home. You've got to make God that authority in your life. So, first of all, the wise will... will um, will submit to the authority that's placed over them. The second thing is the wise will remember. The wise will remember. Two things that I want you to try to remember. The first is to remember that God is in control. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 5 through 6. It says, Whoever obeys his commands will come to no harm, and the wise heart will know the proper time and procedure. For there is a proper time and procedure for every matter, though a man's misery weighs heavy upon him. God says there is a proper time and a proper place for things to work out. I've got it under control. You know, God doesn't ignore your rude boss. God doesn't let it slide that that president didn't make that good choice. He doesn't forget that your parents 
did some kind of honorary thing, X, Y, or Z, that you don't like as their authority over you. God's going to take care of it in its proper time, in its proper way. You know, I kind of think about our, our government when whoever's in office and they, they go to war. Uh, one thing that I've always thought was a very dumb thing to do was to tell everybody in the world what you're doing. Because then the enemy watches the same TV we do, and they know exactly what we're doing. We want to know, but the whole world, we can't tell what it is that we're doing as well. And God kind of does the same thing. He doesn't tell me how he's going to take care of that person. He doesn't tell me how he's going to take care of that situation. I have to just trust the government is going to do this. He's going to take care of it as it's needed. I need to just trust God is going to take care of this situation as he says is best. It's all in his timing according to what his plan is, but he is in control. And God has a reason for allowing things to go on. And we don't understand them. We don't know them. Um, but in Genesis chapter 15, verse 16, um, Abraham is there with, and he, God's talking to him and saying that, you know what? You, your people are going to come back to this promised land. But it's going to be 400 years. It's time for the, the Amorites to fulfill or kind of like reach their sin to the maximum level. And God just said, it's not time yet. There's a certain time when these things are going to take place. And God's just going to allow it in order before he makes the situation right. Uh, but God is also patient. In 2 Peter 3, 9, it says, God is patient, not anyone, not wanting anyone to, to perish. Now I look at myself and I say, God, please be patient with me. God, please forgive me for the hundredth time for saying or for doing something that I, I shouldn't have done. But God loves that leader over me who's a bad leader just as much as he loves me, just as much as he loves the criminal who's done something a hundred times, who's done some terrible, awful thing. God loves that person as much as me. And God is being patient. God has a purpose. God knows that that person's going to come to know the Lord later on in life. God knows that things are going to be made right if it just takes a little bit longer. That's why I have to remember that God is in control of it all. I look and say, I don't understand. I don't like it. I don't get it. But God is in control. And you think about the leaders who are over you. Uh, there's a, a proverb. I told you I always think of Lauren when I, when I uh, the proverbs, because uh, I know he reads those. He gave me this book. I'm kind of curious about what this book says um, about this verse. But it says in Proverbs 21, verse 1, The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like a water course wherever he pleases. You know, if, if, if you got uh, water running, like when we spill water wells, um, or when I used to do that, we'd, I'd always be digging this ditch about where I wanted the water to go. And sometimes it felt like I was digging uphill because the water needed to not go right towards the house. It needed to go not right underneath the rig. And so I just kept directing this water wherever I wanted it to go, this big snake, till finally it found something where it could do it by itself. But it's like I have control over that. When they, when they, if they want a river to be a dam, they can put up this great big dam and they can direct the water off somewhere else. God can do that much just as easy with the king's heart, with, with the leader's direction that he wants them to go. He can direct it just like this. So that's what I'm saying. You've got to remember that no matter what they're doing, God is in control of all of it. The second thing is I have to remember that I am not in control. I would love to be in control a lot of times, but I am not in control of anything. Verse 7 says that I am not in control of my future. Since no man knows the future, who can tell him what is to come? I have no idea what my future holds. I know what I plan to do, and I make plans, but God determines the steps. 
God determines where I'm going to end up. Um, but I have no control. Last week, we talked about having good days and bad days. And I said, who here wants to have a bad day? Nobody raised their hand. But guess what? I bet some of you this week had a bad day. And I bet some of you this coming week are going to have a bad day. Because you don't have control over what your future is going to bring. I don't have control over my surroundings. Uh, verse 8a says, no man has power over the wind to contain it. If it's going to rain, if it's going to be windy, if it's going to snow, I have nothing to do with that. I can pray, I can cry, I can hope, I can plead, but I have no control over what the weather is going to do. I have no control if I'm going to be sick. I have no control if the power is going to go out in my house. I have no control. I have no control over the day of my death. Says so, verse 8b says, no, no one has power over the day of his death. I have no control. A lot of people have tried to have control. A lot of people have tried to take their life, and they didn't succeed. A lot of people have tried to keep their life, and they did not succeed because I don't have control. And that's, I hate saying those words. I, I want control. But I, if I'm going to be wise, I'm going to remember that God is leading and that God is in control of all of it and not me. I really cannot do anything to, to really impact anything in my life, but God can because he's in control. So the wise follow the leader. The wise remember that God is in control, but the, the wise will also fight the temptation to give in. Because when you come to having a good leader or a bad leader of trying to do the right thing, even if I don't want to, there's this inner struggle. Kind of like with sin. I, I, I don't want to do the sin, but I want to do the sin. And so I struggle back and forth. What am I going to do? The wise person says, I'm not going to give in. Verse 11. It says, when the sentence of a crime is not quickly carried out, the hearts of the people are filled with schemes to do wrong. Uh, verse 12 says, although a wicked man commits a hundred crimes and still lives a long time, I know that it will go better with God-fearing men who are reverent before God. So obviously, if one person is doing a crime, somebody else watches and see how's that work out? You know, if you're, if you're a kid in school, you say, you know what, I just watched that person cheat on a test, and ooh, they didn't get caught. Hmm. Boy, and they watched somebody else cheat on a test, and they didn't get caught. Boy, that sure gets tempting. I'd like to not study for my test, I'd like to do that as well. And so they start to do that. Or they see, you know what, um, I, I was able to get out of that ticket the last time, so I'm going to maybe try it again. And maybe just keep trying and keep pushing it. Or I, I keep hearing stories. I've heard it from numerous people that if you want to get a ticket, the place to do it is between here and Baker. Is that true? Does anybody know from experience? <laughs> just kidding, I'm not looking. Um, but I've heard, if you're going to get a ticket, I mean, if you want to get pulled over, do it between there and there because you can talk yourself out of a ticket. And I don't know. I don't ever want to find out. But guess what that tells me? It's okay to get heavy on the foot uh, between here and Baker because I could probably get out of, of getting a ticket. But the wise say, I'm not going to push it. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do the right thing anyway. And that gets tough. It gets hard to do if I watch somebody else get away with everything. And I, and I want to do it as well. But the wise, like he says in verse 12, says it will go better with God-fearing men who are reverent before God. If you do the right thing, if you follow that leader, even if you don't like him, it's going to be better for you. Now, maybe not in the short term, because you didn't get the A on your test from cheating. You didn't get to Baker five minutes quicker because you, you pushed it. You didn't, you didn't get to experience all these things that everybody else did because they did it the wrong way. 
But overall, God's going to bless you if you're willing to do His way. And it might just be up in heaven, but God will bless you for doing the right thing. It will be better for you if you do the right thing. And that is going to be tough. And it says, uh, verse 13, it's not going to be well for those who do the wrong thing. It says, yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. Yes, in the short term, I got an A in my test. In the short term, I got to baker quicker. In the short term, I, I got more money back in my taxes, or I got to keep more money in my pocket. And it sounds all good and fine, uh, but in the long run, it is not going to benefit you. You know, it might be that you, you have that constant nagging in you because you did something wrong. It might be that when you finally get to heaven and you, you don't get that reward because you didn't do the right thing the right way. So I'm just saying, it pays to just keep your nose to the grindstone and keep doing the right thing. Keep doing what the leader asks you to do. Keep following the laws that are placed over you. Keep doing whatever the authority over you says that you are supposed to do. Even if everybody else gets away with doing the wrong thing, God will bless you for doing the right thing. So the wise will submit to the person in authority over them, whether they like it or not. The, lies will, the wise will remember that God is in control, and I'm not. And the wise will fight the temptation to give in with the wicked and, and do, try to do what they want. You know, when it all comes down to it, authority is everywhere in life. Some of you are in uh, positions of authority. I have been in positions of authority. And we, we all know what it's, what it's like to have authority that we like and that we don't like and how we don't want to follow it when we don't like it. And you're going to find it everywhere in life. But the important thing is that we choose to follow the authority that's over us for God's sake. He, he put that authority there. He says, I want you to do it. If, we, if everybody knows that we go to this church and we're Christians, and then we go out to our public workplaces and to our, uh, to our schools, and we start balking at the authority, that does not make God look good. It makes, it makes us look like hypocrites. It makes God look like a lousy God if we're not willing to submit to that authority. And so I just want to encourage you, that authority is over you. You like them, you don't like them, try to follow what it is that they're asking you to do. The one exception is if it's conflicting what God has told you and his word that he wants you to do. Then you've got to choose. It takes courage to say, I'm going to follow God over what it is that man is asking me to do. And finally, I want you to fight the temptation uh, to say, I can't beat them, so I'm going to join them. That's not going to work. You can't beat them, but you can beat them by doing what it is that God wants you to do because ultimately, God's the leader who's on the right side, and ultimately, God's going to win. So I encourage you, choose the right side, choose God's side, and submit to the authorities that God has placed over you. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you are in control of everything. God, we look at this chaotic world, and we have leaders over us that we may not agree with, uh, whether it's in the political arena or whether it's teachers or, or coaches or even like the referees at a basketball game. And God, it is difficult to, to submit to what they say, even if we don't think it's right. And I just pray that, God, you would please help us to be good examples, uh, better Christians uh, of, of showing our allegiance and our love for you by submitting to the authority over us. And so if we struggle with that this week, please remind us that you put them there and we need to follow them because you put them there. And God, if we need to, to make a stand to say, no, I'm not going to do something because it goes against what your word says, I pray that we would have the courage to do that as well. Please be our ultimate authority in life. God, please help us to fear you and to speak your, keep your commandments as we find in the book of Ecclesiastes uh, as the most important thing that we could do. Thank you for being a good and loving God and a good and loving authority over us. And I thank you in Jesus' name.